from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Caleb Foster introducing himself to everybody. Last night, you just heard some of the highlights. To be completely honest, he he was kind of the... (laughs) Have you ever heard someone, you know, kind of uh, maybe tell a, a boring story and then at the end they throw in... Uh, and then I and then I found a hundred dollars because they're just trying to to boost the end of the story. Oh, okay, cool. It's uh, and and then the, the the unicorn walked by and said, "Oh, whoa, whoa!" I yeah, I thought. And then the canoe tipped over. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that was Caleb Foster, because up until he got it going in the second half, if if Duke and Michigan State wasn't number nine versus number eighteen in the country, uh, there really wouldn't be much to talk about. Right, you talk about it because it's a top twenty matchup. Although Michigan State likely will not be a top twenty team the next time we talk about them, at least not until they earn their way back up. If it wasn't number nine versus number eighteen, there really wouldn't be much to talk about. The early part of the game was brutal. Michigan State was bullying Duke when Duke had the ball, and it wasn't even like we've seen teams just be really good defensive basketball teams. And there's actually kind of an art to it, right? They're switching. They 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 have positionless basketball. Their big guys are denying, and it, or or you know, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. Some like a Bayheim two three that's getting their hands on every single ball, uh, getting in the passing lanes and just making it difficult. Got it, right? That that makes sense. That's kind of fun to watch if you if you, if you enjoy that sort of thing. Michigan State though was just knocking them around. It was just, hey, let's let's see if we can bully them. On the other end, Duke wasn't playing particularly good defense either. The only difference was Michigan State was missing a billion open threes. I mean, the broadcast crew was just, here's another good good look at a three. Clank. Rebound going the other way. He's open. Oh, love the extra pass. Clank. Going the other way. And they weren't even working particularly hard to get the ball to the rim, which would have been like – you know, correct me if I'm wrong. If you're not a, if you're not on fire with with the jump shooting, drive it to the bucket, right? Michigan State wasn't even doing that, so Duke was almost like uh, uh, it was it was smart to play poor defense because they weren't knocking down the open jumpers. And if you started guarding them at the three, they might have started driving and forcing the issue, maybe going to the line. Who knows? Just let them keep shooting. That's not really a good basketball game from anyone involved. It was ugly and physical on one end, and it was ugly and shots missing on the other end. Awesome. Loved it. I watched the whole game, by the way. Sat there loving life. It's one of the very few, because I, I love, I mean, even maybe even more so than college football, I love the atmosphere of a college basketball game. I think it's because it's enclosed, right? Yeah. The, the, the energy has nowhere to escape. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, I'm in on college basketball games. And that was the first half was one where you catch yourself like, right, you're watching the game, you start scrolling on your phone. Someone walks by, says, What's the score? You got to look at the, the TV to figure out what the score is. You're like, Uh, 10 10. Because <laughs> you weren't exactly paying as much attention as you thought you were. Wasn't drawing your attention in. 
But again, in the second half, Caleb Foster flipped the switch. We'll talk about it. But first, let's hear from John Shire on how he felt as the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. He felt his team performed. Hard-fought game is what you expect when you play Michigan State. You know, like I have have so much respect. Coach Izzo, I've been knowing him since I was in high school. And he's one of the best in the game and what he does. You always know his teams are going to play hard. They're going to defend and they're going to rebound. And for us, you know, we came off of our first two games where we didn't rebound the ball well. And so to re- out-rebound a Michigan State team, is that's a big deal for us. It was hard fought. It was hard fought. It also, I mean, if, if that's what you're looking for, right, it was hard fought because you're playing another top 20 team who, by the way, was, what, number four at the beginning of the year? Like, when you scheduled this, you were scheduling a hard fought game. If both these two teams took it, took care of their first couple of games, this would have been, at worst, number two and number four in the country. Yeah, it'd been a top five matchup. That's where they were in preseason. So, uh, yeah, hard fought. That's what you signed up for. Again, here's more from John Shire on why he wanted tough games to start the season. I just thought for our team, like for our guys, we stepped up in a big way, you know, for to play. We want to play this schedule. You know, you play Arizona, Michigan State, two of your first three games. Let's see where we're at. And, you know, I've, I've learned more about this team in the first three games than maybe any team I've, I've been with as an assistant coach, as a head coach, obviously, in the one year. And to respond that quickly in, in a couple days, I just think says a lot about their character. Says a lot about their character. You know who it says a lot about? Caleb Foster. Let's talk about Caleb Foster for a second. Uh, in the second half, Caleb Foster flipped the switch. I'm willing to say he was the difference. He had Dickie V tweeting about him. Dickie V can't can't speak right now. He's still dealing with the the effects of the radiation and, and the, the treatments that are on his vocal cords. But it does, by the way, we have been getting some good news out of Dickie V's corner. Dickie V, though, took to Twitter to say a diaper dandy was born. I believe that's the first di- diaper dandy of the season. Congratulations, Caleb yeah. Foster. 16 of his 18 points came in the second half when he got hot from three. He was the catalyst. He was the only guy in the game that when he put a shot up, it was like, oh, this one's going in. Everyone else was like, "Mm, oh, okay, he made one. Do you know why I say let's talk about Caleb Foster? Let's talk about what he's made of. Let's talk about the the, the storyline here. Duke men's basketball, okay, like the account on Twitter, their, their Duke MBB, tweeted out a picture of Caleb Foster taking a jumper over Jeremy Fears of Michigan State, one of their freshmen, Mm -hmm. who Tom Izzo, according to the broadcast, is very complimentary of, Jeremy Fears. So at first glance, it's just a picture of a guy that scored 16 and a half shooting a jumper over whoever's defending him. It's all right, that makes sense. The social media team is, is promoting one of their guys. The caption, though, said, what is the selection process for the McDonald's All-American game, question mark, asking for a friend? You do a quick uh, little little bit of research. Caleb Foster was the 23rd recruit in the country, number 23. He did not get an invite to the McDonald's All-American game. Jeremy Fears did and played in the game. Oh. So now Duke men's basketball is is a little Easter egg of, oh, we're taking receipts. Now, 
first of all, it could just be the social media account, right? I'm, I'm not saying they had to run to the locker room to get approval of the caption of a tweet from either John Shire or Caleb Foster, but I am probably saying they didn't discover that or, or make that a thing on their own. That seems like a chip on the shoulder. That seems like something that uh, he remembers. That seems like something that the team might remember. And I love it when and and ready it's 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 a little ridiculous admittedly Caleb Foster was the number 23 recruit in the country he was a part of the number 2 recruiting class in the country he went to duke let's not act like he is uh, the little engine that could here yeah. right this is this is not the same as you know, uh, uh, Baker Mayfield having to walk on and then becoming uh, uh, the number one overall draft pick, right? It, it's not the same. But if you play with that same chip, I like that about a program, right? How many times are we going to hear Michael Jordan got cut from his high school team before we recognize he made JV? Yeah. Most sophomores make JV. They don't get cut from varsity. They made JV. Michael Jordan made JV, but you, you, I mean, if you say that anywhere near anyone that supports the Michael Jordan theory, put the chip on the shoulder, right? I love when you can find small slights and turn them into big motivation. And, and Caleb Foster went out there and shot like he was trying to, uh, uh, achieve something that he's big time motivated to do, which is rub it in the face of everyone and anyone that was above him in the McDonald's all American game. Wanted to prove a point. Nothing wrong with that. I wonder. I wonder if I believe uh, Jared McCain of Duke was a McDonald's All American. Okay. I wonder if those practices aren't a little bit of like, get them fries, swish. Yeah. Right. I I'll mean, th- McCain had zero yesterday. I'll, t- I'll take a number three, swish. Hold, plane, please. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The ACC should be angry about the college football ranking top 25. Angry, you say? Angry. Furious. Infused, enraged. They should also be angry about the conversation conversation surrounding the college football playoff ranking top 25. The first thing is, NC State should be in the college football playoff top 25. Now, this is one, when I first saw the, uh, the ranking, didn't jump out to me, right? But David Hale, ESPN, covers the ACC, covers college sports, spit a whole bunch of facts, and I went, well, when you put it that way, they absolutely should be in the college football playoff top 25. Uh, NC State is the only 7-3 and three or better Power 5 team not ranked by the committee this week. The only one. Every Power 5, 7-3 and three team or better is ranked except for the NC State Wolfpack. The Wolfpack do have wins over Clemson and Miami. Might not be the flashiest of the flashy wins, but definitely not the worst. And and they also, their losses are what you might call good losses, which you hate to say, but it exists in resume town. Uh, they lost to the number 10 team in the country by three points. They lost to the number 19 team in the country. 
and they lost to a, a team that was number 17 at the time of the game. They have not lost anybody that's not top 20 when they were playing. How about it? And oh, by the way, North Carolina State's athletic director is the chair of the committee. So you may say, oh, they're definitely being advocated for in the room. They definitely have a representative. They couldn't possibly be be unfairly treated because their athletic director is the chair of the committee. Or you could say what uh, you know my little league coaches used to say. If your kid's on the team, you got to coach them the hardest, right? If your kid's on the team, it's got to be the most difficult for your kid to to crack the starting lineup or to play you know, shortstop or quarterback or whatever the 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 you know hot position is, because everybody's going to assume they're getting preferential treatment. So you have to make them earn it even more. No nepotism here. Like the opposite of nepotism. Exactly. We have to be so obviously no nepotism that it's going to be nearly impossible for our son or daughter to be the star, right? With 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 Boo Corrigan uh, as the 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 chair of the committee, he may be like, listen, nobody is going to accuse us of put boosting NC State because I'm on the committee. Matter of fact, they're going to be the only seven and three team or better that's not being ranked. Then come tell me I'm being unfair. And it's like, well, how about you're just fair? So that's where that you should be upset because that hurts the ACC as a whole, okay? That boost, that knocks down everybody. Now teams that beat NC State don't have a win over a top 25 team. If you're Louisville, right? If you're Louisville and you're trying to climb up into the top 10 or even further up the, the, the board, you need every top 25 win you can have. You beat NC State. But now that just looks like a run-of-the-mill win. But now pretend you're Florida State. Florida State's trying to make the college football playoff. An ESPN article came out in reaction to the latest edition of the college football playoff top 25, and one of the very first questions it asks is, what does number five Washington have to do to move up? That was the big, bold headline in the article. What does number five Washington have to do to move up? Guess who's number four? Florida State, the highest-ranked ACC member. So if Washington is moving up, guess who they're passing? Florida State, which means Florida State needs good wins to boost their defense of number four. They're going to play likely Louisville in the ACC championship game. So they need Louisville to be as good as they possibly can be, at least in the rankings. Currently 10th. So if NC State was a top 25 team, Louisville would have another Top 25 win, which may boost them up in the top 10. Florida State would then be playing a team that's 7th or 8th rather than a team that's 10th. And then Florida State would be able to look at Washington and say, you beat Oregon. Great, that's a big win. We beat Florida State. Or sorry, we beat Louisville. That's also a really big win. It's all connected in conference play. I mean, sometimes, by the way, I, I, I get very frustrated with all the quadrants in, in basketball. I, I, I never know what it all means. But it does make it a little bit easier in that even if you're not in the top 25, you can still have a win that's worth more than some others. In college football, it does feel like if you're not beating a top 25 team, it's like, so you didn't play anybody. Even though NC State is the only, the only, 
top 20 or non top 25 team that's seven and three or better in the power five. It's, it's a, it's a deal where it becomes a, a, a vicious cycle. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You tell us the ACC is not strong. So then the ACC's best wins don't look like they're against good teams. Thus, you don't think the ACC's top teams are strong. Thus, the vicious cycle, right? You tell us NC State isn't good enough, that makes Louisville look not good enough. You tell us Louisville's not good enough, that makes Florida State look not good enough. Now, the ACC has a team fall out of the top four. And it's going, whoa, 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 wait a second. Right? Because then next year, what do you say? Well, it's been three years since the ACC had a team in the college football top four. So now, NC State hasn't beaten anyone next year. They'll stay, and it just it just keeps happening. And really, all it is is the decision-making of the committee. They decided the ACC wasn't playing well. They decided their results weren't worth the same. You win seven of your first ten games in any other Power Five conference, it is a guarantee you are in the college football playoff top 25. You win seven of your first ten games in the ACC, well, that's only because the ACC is weak. No, the ACC is only weak because you tell me it's weak. You can't tell me the Big 12 is better. I could go on about the other conferences, but I'm going to keep this about the ACC. I'm going to read from the ESPN article quickly. ESPN article in the top 25 asked, what does number five Washington have to do to move up? Here's the first paragraph. The question is not meant to detract from undefeated Florida State's perfect season, but if there was a week when the selection committee could have easily justified moving Washington into the top four, this was it. Florida State's resume pales in comparison as its lone win against a top 25 opponent was the season opener against number 15 LSU. All right. First of all, it is 100% meant to detract from undefeated Florida State's perfect season. Second of all, look at Michigan. You can't do all of the games of, oh, the schedule is this, your schedule is that, if you don't look at the other teams at the top of the rankings. Also, why is Ohio State not number one? If they were number one last week, why, what changed? If there's an undefeated Power 5 champion, I don't want to be talking about how do they, how do they fall behind Another Power 5 team. There's an mm -hmm. undefeated Power 5 champion, which I've, I'm expecting Florida State to be. They're a college football playoff team. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.